All right, Vispreneur podcast listeners, today we have a very, very special guest here. Her name is Jackie Wojwitka, and she is an integrative heart health coach. She helps people going through the motions of heart disease or any type of heart issues, and she she's done a lot of research and all of the background work into what it is that causes some heart trauma or causes some things with that. I have a question for you to begin. Um, actually, before we begin, can you go ahead and just introduce yourself to our podcast listeners? Just get them, let them know a little bit more about you. Sure. Um, so my name is Jackie, and I'm from Vancouver Island, British Columbia, Canada. And at the age of 36, I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure and cardiomyopathy with a bicuspid aortic valve with a 15% functioning heart. And guys, too, just before we go any further, I just want to say a little disclaimer, just because I'm not a medical professional, and this is not medical advice. This is just me <laughs> telling you my research and information that I have found out along the way. <laughs> so please talk to your medical team about anything and everything containing to your uh, diet and exercise and treatment. And um, as it turned out, I turned out to be allergic to most pharmaceuticals and I have worked overseas for most of my working life and so in health and wellness. And so I went about the uh, actions of gathering all my contacts from around the world to put them to work for me and using every tool, my fingertips and researching and putting together a natural plan for me. And now I have two years later, um, reversed um, my heart disease, you know, shrunk my aortic root and shrunk my heart back to size and my heart is fully functioning. So Jackie, I can imagine at that time when the doctors were telling you that you only had like a 15% functioning heart, how did you feel at that time? And how did you kind of motivate yourself to be able to take the steps to realize I have the power to change my health and I don't necessarily need to rely on a doctor to help me? A very good question, Rose. When I was first diagnosed, I was honestly really too sick to even care. <laughs> I had gone from mountain, I just come back from an expedition in Antarctica, mountaineering in Patagonia and Antarctica. And I was at the point where I put on 80 pounds in two weeks. I'm only four foot 10. So that's literally almost half my weight. And um, I couldn't go from the bed to the bathroom without actually having to nap on the bathroom floor before going back to bed. Mm. I was so exhausted. So I honestly like it did not compute. It was just like, whatever, let's make it go away <laughs> at that point. And then, um, and then getting to the point where I realized I had the power to heal myself. I grew up in the very much a holistic area where we believe, you know, in more natural means of healing and Mother Earth and all that stuff. And so I always knew the power was there. And I'd also lived in cultures like um, China and Vietnam, where energy healing, you know, is part of the culture. And so I knew there were other things out there. So it was just a matter of finding out what it is that would help me. Being allergic to pharmaceuticals, I was having insane reactions. <laughs> that they had never seen before 
Um, I would wake up screaming at night thinking that Dios de los Muertos were sawing off my limbs, mm. <laughs> you know, with chainsaws. And, I, you know, doctors would just look at me and laugh and call me crazy. I wasn't crazy. You know, I knew what was happening. I knew what was the cause deep inside myself. It was just a matter of being like, no, I know I'm right. I know this isn't the right path for me. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, it, it was just a matter of being told that one too many times mm. when I was just like, no, not anymore. I'd rather be dead at this point because this is no way to live. So it's kind of the combination of the environment you grew up in, which is that kind of natural environment as well as being exposed to different cultures that um, value that natural healing and being really mm-hmm. at the point where your, the quality of your life wasn't as good as what you knew it could be. So it kind of drove mm-hmm. you to be able to reach out to people in your network. Who did you reach out to? Because I'm just curious, like, how did you start to find that answer to heal your heart naturally? Um, so... I guess one of the first things I did was I have a lot of um, traveling nursing friends and things. So I started off with kind of my medical friends and, and I started, and then, you know, we have things like Ayurvedic practitioners in our area and things like that. So I started to reach out to those types of practitioners and talk to them. And then once I was starting to get back into exercise and I was feeling a little bit better, I phoned the uh, cardiac rehab centers here and the only answer I got was just do a little bit more than you did the day before. Yeah, athlete, young athlete here. That's not the answer you give me because I will literally exercise eight hours a day (laughs) if you tell me that. And so I actually ended up calling over 40 cardiac rehab centers around the world. And it wasn't until I found one in Florida that answered the phone that um, I kind of got an idea of the direction to start looking and researching in. But anyways, so like pulling all this stuff together and information together um, and a lot of trial and error, mm-hmm. you know, like you try some things and yeah, that's not going to work. And, you know, and then the more you research too, you know, things like when you start looking at the actual cause and you start looking at the actual history of heart disease, like many people don't know that in the fifties. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to, (laughs) and it's kind of funny now that actually diabetic medications are actually starting to be used as a main medicine, if you will, in um, heart failure. So you did talk about how like, um, in the 50s, it was called the third diabetes. So what kind of risk factors do people to be able to tell like, um, if they are starting to show that they might be at risk for this heart failure? Mm. Risk factors or symptoms? Sorry, you're a little. So symptoms, whatever. Okay, let me rephrase my question. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) So if I was a listener listening to this, Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to wonder, maybe I might be having something that could be like heart failure. What kind of symptoms or what kind of indicators, how do people know that they are at high risk for um, mm. heart failure? Very good question. 
We'll start at the top. So um, the number one cause of heart failure in young females is actually pregnancy. Something called peripartum cardiomyopathy, which is pregnancy-induced heart failure. So if you are pregnant and you, you know, you're feeling tightness in the chest or um, you have a family history of heart disease, right, or a family history of diabetes, it would be maybe a good thing to talk to your doctor about having it looked at, you know, having your heart checked out. Um, another thing is diabetes, and this includes pre-diabetes as well, because the sugar, excess sugar in your system um, creates strain on the heart. Um, and also high sugar causes high blood pressure. And then we can actually go into chemotherapy treatments. And this is specifically breast cancer treatments. So um, breast cancer treatments have a higher rate of heart failure um, than other cancer treatments. So that's also another risk factor that you can consider. Um, another one which is you may have heard of is called broken heart syndrome or cardium or Takutsovo's cardiomyopathy, which is when your heart has been through trauma. It doesn't have to be the loss of a loved one. It can be, you know, like you get attacked on the street, um, you lose your house, you lose your job, anything like that can cause such sadness in your heart that your heart starts to lose its function. Smoking is another one because smoking makes your blood vessels smaller, okay, which increases your blood pressure. And then you can also over-exercise. So there is something called the J-curve or the U-curve, depending on who you talk to and where you've researched. And so basically athletes and those who don't exercise at all have a very similar risk of heart disease. And this is especially true in endurance athletes, such as marathoners. They have a very similar risk. And so then if you're kind of in the moderate, you know, you get like some activity in the middle, then that's kind of the lowest risk as far as activity based goes. Um, another thing is dehydration. Dehydration is surprising, can cause heart disease because electrolytes are so important in the body. Um, so your three main electrolytes are magnesium, potassium, and sodium. Magnesium, all right, is uh, basically a muscle relaxant, as, you know, putting it as layman's terms. So it's what helps your heart relax at night to recover from your day activities. Okay, so it's really important. And then, um, let's see, and it also helps um, things such as vitamin D get into your bones to make your bones strong. Okay, so it's really important. And then potassium is for your kidneys, and it helps regulate your blood vessel size in your body. Okay, so when you don't have enough potassium, then your blood vessels get tiny and your blood pressure goes up. All right, and it starts to hurt your kidneys, which affects your heart, kind of like goes around. So potassium is really important. And then the other one that's really important, which is contradictory to what you're, you've heard probably for most people, is the importance of sodium. Sodium is so important to heart and body functions. It's actually more harmful to your heart to have too little sodium than to have too much. 
This is because sodium um, controls something in your heart called your atrial sinus node, which is your heart's pacemaker. So sodium actually helps regulate your heartbeat. So when you don't get enough sodium, then you can have things like a pounding heart. You can have skipped beats and you can have atrial fibrillation, which is when your heart goes into kind of vibration mode. And it's surprising that that sodium helps control that. Um, sodium also, and this goes back to the sugar thing, also helps regulate sugar. So what happens with, uh, with many people when they go on low sodium diets is all of a sudden they're eating a higher sugar content, mm -hmm. but then their salt's coming down. So then they don't have the salt regulating the sugar anymore as much. Okay. And so then again, that can increase your blood pressure. Sodium also is what the follicles in your intestine um, use to push through food in your stomach. So then if you don't have enough salt, then your stomach can't push food through and you don't digest food as well. And then the other thing salt does is it actually helps improve brain function as does fat. So if you don't have enough sodium in your body, if you don't have enough fat in your body, then you can have impaired cognitive function or what we call brain fog. Yeah. So those are kind of your three electrolytes and why they're so important in the body. So if you get dehydrated, things can happen to your heart because you don't have enough of those electrolytes in your body. And it's actually um, from the book the, um, called Magnesium, the Ultimate Heart Medicine. They say in the book that it is estimated that 40 to 60% of all heart attacks are actually caused from magnesium deficiency. So your muscles don't have enough magnesium to keep them calm and they spasm and that causes a heart attack. You work with a lot of clients um, that have either heart complications or heart disease or heart problems. Um, tell me a little bit about if you could give us like a day in the life of like a typical somebody who typically has heart disease or is, is basically predetermined to have some type of heart complication. Like what does their life normally look like? You know, your alarm would go off because you have to take meds every 12 hours because heart medicine is so potent that you have to, you have to stay really close, mm. you know, to the 12 hour to 12 hour mark for a lot of medicines or the 24 hour mark if it's a 24 hour one, but you have to stay on, on schedule. So your alarm goes off, you take your meds, you know, you have to walk to the scale and weigh yourself because if you gain too much weight overnight, then it means that you're retaining fluid, which means that your heart's working harder. So then you'll need more diuretics to get that fluid off. Then you have to siphon out how much fluid you can have. Because if you listen, if you're following doctor's orders and everything, um, I've seen people as low as one liter a day. Um, usually, it's usually around a liter and a half to two liters a day of fluid. So this includes coffee, tea, soups, anything that melts like ice cream, yogurt, okay, mm. it's all, all included in that fluid intake. So you measure all that out usually into containers so that you know how much you can have for the day. And when it's gone, it's gone. Um, you have a calculator on your phone so that you can calculate exactly how much of any nutrient you're getting in your body, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't want the majority of cardiologists will tell you, right? You have to watch your sodium and they give you a strict limit not to be over. And because of our current modern society, 
and the way we eat, we have a lot of excess sodium in our food. Um, if you just ate a paleo, like everything direct from the farms, <laughs> you know, vegetables, meat, fruit, you wouldn't have to watch it at all because you wouldn't get to the two thousand to the two gram mark. But yeah, so you you do that. And then while you're at work, you know, you might have to do some self-care things. Um, you might have a phone consultation with your doctor. So you have to like go outside or whatever, find a private spot to go have that. Or you have an appointment you have to go to, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe you and your co-workers are going out for lunch together and you sit there looking at the menu and you have to kind of mentally calculate how much of anything is in that food so that, you know, what you can have or you're asking the waiter like what dressing is on that salad because you know that you know different types of dressings are bad or good for you so it's a lot of management so if people are managing all of these symptoms that you talked about which um for the heart failure as well I can imagine it can get a bit overwhelming dealing with all these things to remember looking at foods and being like, does this have this Mm -hmm. much sodium, keeping up with the nutrients and everything else? Mm -hmm. Do you help people kind of sort all of that and make a plan so that they're able to live their lives at a better quality of life? Yes, that's one of the things I do. Um, So... I have, you know, I interview you and we kind of determine what your goals and what your needs are. But yeah, we help put systems in place. So we make meal plans for the week. So it's all done in one go and you don't have to think about it the rest of the week. If you if you come to me in an appointment and you're like, oh my goodness, I have this big, big, you know, big business meeting at this restaurant, we'll go online together and look at the menu and we'll pick out like a couple choices, good choices that you can pick off the menu. We, we put plans in place that way so that you can do that. Um, we look at your schedule and we, as a coach, I'm not here to say you should or shouldn't do anything. My job is to help you achieve your goals and help you make processes to make that happen. So would, yeah. what would you say would be one thing, um, I'm curious, Jackie, what... Mm-hmm like one sentence of why you want to help people with cardiovascular and like heart health, what would be one thing, like one thing that you would say? I would say we're all unicorns. We're all different. There are thousands of reasons why you have heart disease. There's never ever just one unless you're a newborn. And I want to help people because I feel that when you start to pull back the onion, right, and get to the center, to the root of the problem, that's when you can truly heal. And I did it for myself, and I want other people to take advantage of that, and I want other people to heal as well. So if somebody were to start to work with you, how do you kind of start to measure or know when somebody is healed? Because you said that healing is getting to the root of the problem, but what is that root of the problem that you're looking for? So basically the root of the problem is the reason why something happened in the first place. And it takes a lot of questioning back to get back to that problem and 
I don't say that I say that you heal yourself and it's not up to me to say when you're healed or not because I'm not a medical professional. That's for your medical team to decide. For me, what I want to see is that if your goal is to, you know, be able to go play with your grandkids on the playground and not just have to sit there on the bench. Right. That's going to be my success is when you come to a session and be like, Jackie, you know what? I ran around for 20 minutes with the grandkids and I did not get winded. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, that that's when I'm like, yes, that's, that's a success because I want you to have your life back, whatever that looks like for you. But the actual healing, that's not for me to say that's for your doctors to say, yeah, when that happens. So what are the kind of everyday things that people can do if they're not able to access you and to get their life back and to be able to be able to run around with their grandchildren or be able to go on a walk when they want to and eat the foods that they desire? So the everyday things that you can do, number one is keep a food diary. So keep a diary of everything you eat for a week and write down how you feel within the first few hours after eating your meal. Okay, and you're going to start to see patterns evolve, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're going to see like when I eat this, I always feel tired afterward. When I eat this, I always feel super energized afterwards. Okay, so maybe eating the thing, you know, that always makes you feel tired is not something you want to continue doing. The one thing in food that applies to absolutely everybody is cut the sugar, cut the processed crap. (laughs) Everything else is going to be so individual, but those are two things that apply to everybody. And those are two simple things that you can do on your own is to go into your kitchen and get rid of those things. Now, when you say sugar, would you say just, just processed sugar or would you say more or less like try to control like natural sugars that are in fruits and things like that as well? Um, Processed sugar would be first target. Right. (laughs) Okay. And then second target it's really going to depend on you um i do feel that the lowest you can go on a sugar carb scale the better your heart will feel and the better you will feel um but that's totally to you and how that process but i mean like things like fruit and stuff so much better than anything (laughs) find. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some like everyday habits that we could we could build to, you know, keep our heart health in, in line and basically at a forefront? What are oh, some very good questions? Habitual, habitual things that you habitual like, things. Yeah. First thing would be to have lemon water when you wake up. Mm. OK, most heart attacks occur in the first two hours of waking up. And this is because you haven't drunk all night. Right. So getting some water in and having lemon or lime in the water is going to add the extra electrolytes to the water. Right. So it's going to help rehydrate you faster. So having some lemon or lime water um, as soon as you wake up is good. Um, Another thing is to spend five or ten minutes in the morning just standing out on earth. So just go barefoot. I do it in the snow. (laughs) And I maybe last two minutes in the snow, but still. Um, Because what happens, especially with all of our electronic devices these days, is our bodies are naturally neutral. 
right, between electrons and protons. Mm -hmm. But with all of our electronic devices, the electrons go up and the protons go down in our body, right? Um, and so when you touch Earth, the Earth takes out those electrons and infuses protons and you come back to neutral. Mm -hmm. So that's just something really easy that you can do to help improve your health. It's just a couple minutes, just standing barefoot out on the grass or the beach or whatever on earth, <laughs> <laughs> somehow on mother earth um, and just coming back. Um, shopping at your farmer's markets and yeah. picking up things that are grown naturally in your area you know, that haven't had to be shipped, mm -hmm. you know, to you, I know, especially those of us in northern areas, you know, we, in winter, we don't have that luxury. For yeah. most of our stuff, it has to be shipped in from somewhere south. But as much as you can, get it fresh from your farmers and things. Um, there's a website called the EWG, I think, EWG.org. Um, I'll send it to you guys so you can put it in the podcast. And what it is, is it's a list called the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. There's a site for each area in the world. So you choose what country or area of country when you're in a big one like North America you're from. And it'll tell you which fruit and vegetables are the cleanest, like have the least amount of pesticides in them. So those ones you can buy. Um, wherever and then it gives you the dirty dozen which are the ones that hold in the most pesticides in your area and those are the ones that you want to get organically it's about choosing your your sources things like that um and then just making sure you get outside mm -hmm. right spending time outside is very important um it's, you know, it helps clear your head and your thoughts and lower stress and all that, but it also gets your body moving into exercise and all those kinds of things. <laughs> I, I like that you touched on going outside because especially for like entrepreneurs and, and people that basically the, the realm of the people that are listening to the podcast are, you know, those busy individuals who are either entrepreneurs or small business owners who, who essentially need need a stress-free environment as much as possible mm -hmm. sometimes we create that stress but it's good to it's good to know that that is something that we can build into our habits to make us mm -hmm. not only feel better mentally but also physically mm -hmm. well so i'm glad that you touched on that um and then the last thing you can do for yourself every day is shut off your phone and computer an hour before bed getting away from you know the electronics and letting yourself then melatonin in your body actually get ready for bed so that you get a good sound sleep and your body has the chance to recover. Yeah, I've, I've done a lot of research into like essentially like dopamine detoxes and things like that that people do. And it really helps not only like, like I said, not only mental health, but like physical health also. And just the, the quality of sleep that you get, the quality of work that you get done the next day, things like that. So I love that. Absolutely. So, so people go ahead Rose. Okay. <laughs> if people are wanting to connect with you after this podcast listening to the podcast how would they get in contact with you absolutely um so you can get on contact on my email which is info at healthyheartcoachjackie.org or you can follow me on social media um which is my name jackie waywitka on facebook and healthy heart coach jackie on Instagram. 
um, I will give you guys my calendar to link in there as well. <laughs> so guys, I just want to clarify also, that's Jackie, J-A-K-K-I, in case you guys are looking for it. I just, I just searched her on Instagram, and if you type in healthy heart coach, just coming from a social media coach standpoint, she's the only one that pops up. So that's really, it's really good if you look up healthy heart coach, all is one word. She's the one, she's the only one that pops up. So she's the very first one up there. So you don't even have to worry about how to spell Jackie. So that's good. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, you guys. So it's been, it's been a pleasure listening and talking about how to have a healthy heart and how to get those things, those very crucial moments just implemented into your life and the habits that you need to build. And, you know, Jackie is a wealth of information. I say that on almost every episode, but Jackie knows what she's talking about when she talks about heart health. And also coming from a coach standpoint, she's able to help you make those decisions that you need to make in your life, that you feel drawn to make. And it's all based on goals. And I like that we talked about mindset today. And I like that we talked about things that help your mental health along with your physical health, because a lot of times, as entrepreneurs, we try to separate those whenever we think about how am I going to be mentally fit? How am I going to be physically fit? So take these takeaways and write some actionable items in your journal today. If you journal, if not, write them in your notes on your phone. I know you do that. So if that's something that you feel drawn to do and change some of those things in your life, take these moments to really listen to the advice that we've been hearing today. And with that, just make sure to pay attention to your body and, and make sure to know your body knows a lot more than you think. And it's giving you clues. It's giving you hints to things that you need to change or that you should change or you want to change. So take that as you will. And then with that, make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't subscribed already. And, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>